Father, God, you are worthy of all praise. Lord, your purposes are prevailing. Your sovereignty remains. And you are holy. You are God. We are not. I just pray that you would guide this time. God, my words help me to uh, know my place with you as I speak. And uh, yeah, Father, be glorified. Help us to know you more through this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> it is not hard uh, for me to see with all that's going on in the world that the enemy is at work. The enemy is at work Steal, steal, destroy, and to divide. But I believe... His attempts uh, actually give an opportunity for true believers to stand out. Like Jesus prays in John 17, he says, I have given them, believers, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Complete unity of believers informs the world in these times that Jesus is from God, that he's the son of God, that he's God in the flesh, that God is real, and that he loves us. And so I have felt God's direction in this time in talking about something that is needed for unity, and that is empathy. Basically, everyone needs empathy right now. So many people are struggling for different reasons. I think that's the, that's the thing, is for different reasons people are struggling, whether it's COVID fears or economic job fears, politics or racial tension or shutdowns, etc. And this is all on top of the everyday normal difficulties of life. And so we'll talk about what empathy is, we'll talk about why it's hard, why we should practice it, why we struggle to practice it, and most of all, how God empathizes with us. We'll open up multiple passages in Scripture. And so to begin, here's a common definition of empathy. It's the ability to recognize, understand, and share the thoughts and feelings of someone else. Hebrews 13 is an example of empathy. He says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Even though you're not in their circumstances, remember them. Don't forget what they're going through. There's a recognizing, understanding, sharing the thoughts and feelings of someone else there. There's a stepping into another person's shoes. Another verse more common, Romans 12, where we're told to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It doesn't say those who are weeping to stop weeping as soon as possible. It says to weep with them. And that can be so hard. 
I mean, even just thinking about my kids, how often I try to just get them to stop crying ASAP rather than shepherd them through what's going on inside of them, the turmoil of things that they don't even understand what's going on inside of them. And maybe empathy in its essence is as simple as Colossians 3.12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Honestly, I think if we practice those things, we will practice empathy. Empathy is forgetting about ourselves and entering another person's world. It's leaving our world and going to theirs. And you can imagine why this is so hard for us. Because it requires us, it requires me to not just talk about denying myself as a follower of Jesus, but to actually do it. To put aside my feelings and thoughts and take on the thoughts and feelings of someone else. And I, and I can't help but think about how God did this for us and how he does this ongoing. I mean, I don't think he would have allowed the psalm if he weren't a God of empathy where he allows us to process through the powerful emotions that we can have. He doesn't just tell them to stuff them. He doesn't just say man up. And by far the most clear example of God's empathy toward us is found in Christ. Romans 2, or sorry, Philippians 2, we see that Christ emptied himself. He made himself nothing in order to put us first. He left his perfect world and entered into ours because he loved us. Philippians 2, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Empathy is at the heart of God's character. And once again, it can be so hard for us. We have a nature within us that beckons us to be the center of our own world. Self-protection, self-preservation, self-focus. So... Here are a couple reasons that I thought of as to why empathy is so hard for us, why we're often unwilling to enter another person's world, another person's pain, another person's struggle. One reason, real quick, is if we have fears. If we have fears, they can, personal fears, they can blind us to being able to see another person's perspective If we have our own fears, they can blind us. Another reason is that we're tired and it takes energy to move out of our world and to think hard about what another person is going through. And that just takes too much energy. I just would rather spend my my energy on myself, right? That self-preservation. And this is hard right now for everyone to do because there's so much going on, all going through a lot. Some of us, it's all different issues, some more than that. Another reason as to why we don't empathize with people, why we don't want to enter another person's world, especially if it's a world of brokenness and pain and struggle, is because we often feel powerless to help them. And that makes us uncomfortable. And we don't want to be uncomfortable, and we don't want to simply be powerless and just not in control. And so we keep our distance 
we suppress brokenness or we keep it far enough away from us that we can blissfully be naive. And I think one thing important to note here is that, is that this can be so subconscious. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us um, if we are unknowingly or subconsciously keeping, keeping hurting people at a distance. Jesus didn't keep us at a distance. He brought himself as close to us as he possibly could by becoming one of us. Even in the, just in the last few weeks preparing this, I've noticed how far I fall short over and over. It's good for me to talk about this. But I just hit on um, two reasons why we don't practice empathy. The energy that it takes, and then also that powerlessness and subsequent uncomfortability we have. And now I'm going to hit on one method we mostly subconsciously use to dodge empathy. How we can, uh, not all the time, but can distance ourselves from others by rushing to, to share spiritual truth or scripture. And I'll explain. Obviously, there is a place for sharing verses with someone who is struggling. And, and Jen and I have personally been ministered to greatly when we were suffering and someone lovingly and gently shared spiritual truth with us. But it's wise to be aware of the potential to dismiss and minimize another person's pain with spiritual truth. And it doesn't have to be spiritual truth. Any piece of information that we think is true, we can use to put our hand up and keep people at a distance. Um, an example of this is me with my wife. Uh, Jen has uh, physical struggles often, and I'm so quick to say, you're fine, you're fine. Or when it's an emotional struggle, God is in control, just, just trust God. Or to my kids, you're fine, stop crying. Not. They're not fine. And, and when we do this, when we rush someone to spiritual truth, we can actually short-circuit the God-ordained process of growth and healing. Because the God-ordained process of growth for us is that we are to really feel and be in touch with our sin, the brokenness of life, feel the pain, feel the struggle, Feel the hopelessness so that we're pointed to God as the only Savior. God is the only source of hope. God is the only healer. Heaven as our only home. And, and we don't want to depend on feelings for stability. No, that's a whole other issue that a whole other sermon can be written about. This time is about talking about how it's, how it's unwise to suppress what's going on inside of us or other people. When we rush to share spiritual truth, to try to shut up the feelings of brokenness as soon as possible, how are we going to be pointed to God as the only healer for that brokenness? And once again, we don't just do this with other people, we can do this with ourselves And maybe the reason that empathy can be so hard for us, if we're not experiencing empathy from God, then how can we extend it to others? 
One thing that can sabotage our ability to see how God empathizes with us, how he meets us where we're at in our sin, in our fears, unfortunately, is sometimes people and how they treat us. I would say that most of us have had people in our lives who just say, stop crying. Stop feeling that way. People who, whether well-meaning or perhaps out of their own insecurity, can't stand our brokenness, and so they rush us to being fixed. Teaching us to suppress our, rather than to acknowledge it and be pointed to our Savior. This can make it hard for us to believe that God empathizes with us when people don't. Here's an excerpt from a book that highlights this. The author, who's a Christian, writes of his experience when he was hospitalized. He says, one of the hardest things we must do sometimes is to be present to another person's pain without trying to fix it. To simply stand respectfully at the edge of that person's mystery and misery. Standing there, we feel useless and powerless, which is exactly how a depressed person feels or a struggling person feels. And our unconscious need, as Job's comforters is, to reassure ourselves that we are not like the sad soul before us. In an effort to avoid those feelings, I give advice which sets me, not you, free. If you take my advice, you may get well, and if you don't get well, I did the best I could. If you fail to take my advice, there is nothing more I can do. Either way, I get relief by distancing myself from you, guilt-free. There is a type of advice that it's really about us and not not about helping the other person. It's a way to excuse us out of the pain and closeness. We have the potential to give advice in order to just suppress the brokenness because it makes us uncomfortable. And once again, scripture and spiritual truth need to be shared. I mean, really, that's the difference between godly empathy that's grounded in truth and the worldly empathy that's all over the place, which says that anything goes. We're talking about godly empathy here that's grounded in truth. But we need to be aware of this temptation. We must be aware of this temptation. I see to sit with those that are suffering without rushing them or imposing some sort of timetable on them for getting better is to follow the way of our Savior. But we tend to not accept people as they are. Especially if they're struggling with sin or fears, insecurities, addiction. We say, shh, 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 you just need to pray. You just need to read the Bible. Just trust God. Let me try to get you to stop weeping as quick as possible. Let me try to get you from struggling or feeling that way or feeling the feelings that you're feeling as quick as possible. We're uneasy and so we rush. Weep. Weep with those who weep. Uh, One application for me with this is, is that I personally know many black brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a state of weeping. And regardless of if I understand or don't understand, 
or agree with them on certain interpretations of current events or don't agree with them, regardless, they're still weeping. And they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I'm called to move toward them, not to dismiss. I'm called to not give up seeking to understand that unity in the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because God doesn't dismiss me when I am struggling. People may do that, but God doesn't. And when we get a taste of that, God's patience with us, his sitting with us, his weeping with us, not just quickly correcting us, giving us space to process through lies we're struggling with, space to process through and figure out why we're feeling a certain way. When we get a taste of that, we can give that to others. And you see this often in the Psalms where the psalmist all emotions, sometimes incorrect thoughts. They voice some of the lies that they're struggling with. God allows them that. And then after processing through, they come back to the truth. You see this in Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. This stuff is really affecting him. He pours it out to the Lord. He doesn't suppress his brokenness. He presses into it. And then you can see that his pressing into the brokenness leads him to desperation for the truth. Verse 3, you, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. Ancestors put their trust. They trusted in you delivered, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Man up, man. No. He trusts in the Lord, they say, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I, cast, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. And there is help. And he actually oscillates. I mean, in that passage, in the rest of Psalms, he oscillates between his raw emotions that are telling him one thing, and then remembrance of God's character back and forth. Scripture is replete with God letting his people be real with him. Praise the Lord that God allows us to struggle. He is patient with us. And so we can be patient with others when they are struggling. Exhorting and sharing biblical truth with someone is good and it's encouraging and there is definitely a place for that. But we are not compromising biblical truth if we don't immediately someone. When we give them space to process through and share lies that they're believing or feelings that they're feeling, it doesn't mean we're compromising biblical truth because biblical truth includes empathy. It's a part of the character of God I see this on campus. Uh, we'll often go and uh, strike up conversations with non-Christians and we use questionnaires that are designed to, to meet people where they're at. And so we ask them a lot of questions and get to know them, ask them questions about what they believe, about God, spiritual things, Jesus, etc. And then we usually share the gospel with them. And there have been times when atheists and agnostics at the end of our conversation will express appreciation and relief. 
And I think the reason for the relief is simply because we didn't rush to correct them like they'd experienced from Christians in their past. We did still present biblical truth. Hear me there, not compromising. We did still present biblical truth, but we met them where they were at first and didn't rush them to come to where we were at. And that grace enabled them to let their guard down so that they didn't repel the truth like they would have or probably would have if we would have just began by preaching at them. It's a beautiful thing. Hopefully that makes sense. It's a picture of the gospel. Like in Romans 5, 8 when it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is application of a simple spiritual truth that we all know. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, still Christ died for us. God meets us where we're at first and then beckons us to follow Example in my personal life, once again, it's interesting, when Jen was struggling with her health a few years ago, where she couldn't eat and sleep, nausea, digestive problems, rapidly losing weight for a couple months before we went to Mayo, she was really struggling with God. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Where are you? Can I even trust you to protect me when you allow this to happen to my health? And I I remember being tempted to interrupt her and to silence her from those kinds of things. But then I started realizing something. Praise the Lord. Oddly enough, her faith in God, he is her protector, that he does love her, that he is in control, was what was driving her lament with God. She was struggling with that anguish precisely because she believed God is in control, that he does love her. And I believe that God wanted her to come to him as she was in all that struggle. Who was I to keep that from happening by trying to silence those questions? I want to be a man that exemplifies God's character to people and I fall so short so often that God's character, that grace and truth, grace meeting people where they are at and truth exhorting them to leave sin and to leave despair and follow Jesus. Another aspect of empathy that I want to hit on briefly is understanding the thoughts of others. So not just feelings. So this is seeking to really understand someone, someone's perspective on something that's different than ours. Really, really important in these times, right? Two verses that I'll highlight. Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the first to present their themes right until another comes forward and questions it. I really like that verse. It, it, it is wise to get both sides of any story, to get both perspectives. Otherwise, you'll just hear that first side, the first to present, and you'll believe that. And we must acknowledge and we must, we must acknowledge that we have a bias 
operating. Everyone does, and it's understandable to have a bias. But wisdom is found in knowing you have a bias and hearing the other perspective, the other side of the story, preferably with a real person. And then Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. We as the people of God must exemplify this wisdom in our current culture that is not doing this. Our current culture is not doing this. Or sorry, it is doing this. A lot of foolishness going around where there is no attempt to understand another perspective. We just want to delight in airing our own perspective. Wisdom. And I have found that talking to people, real people, face-to-face with different perspectives increases understanding, increasing, even when we disagree. There's not a compromising going on. There's an increasing compassion Simply when I am with someone that has an opposite viewpoint as me and we're talking about it, there's an increasing compassion. And am am, am I compromising biblical truth? No. I don't know about you, but when I am not physically present with someone that's when I am the most susceptible to believing lies about that person, about their perspective, etc., etc. I think we live in a day and an age and a technological age where, where um, Satan is, ha- is wreaking havoc and we're, we are eating it up. And I've been tempted so much to eat up his lies in the last six months, seven months, whatever it is, believing those lies about, about that person's perspective and that person's perspective. And, and then when I actually talk to them face to face, it's like, oh, yes, Holy Spirit, one, being one with a brother and sister in Christ. Can I just do this right now? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ command you to stop in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that your spirit of being unified would burn brightly in this church, in this community, in this nation with believers, Lord. Help us. Help us, Father. He's lying to us, God. He's lying. And I confess, we confess, we've been believing. Lord, we're sheep. Shepherd us, Father. The Proverbs say that wisdom is found in seeking to understand others. If we're going to experience Christian unity in these times of COVID and racial tensions and politics, if we're going to show God's love to those that are struggling, we've got to be having those face-to-face conversations, seeking to understand. Once again, those face-to-face conversations, that's hard. I mean, COVID, restrictions, all these things. So God, give us power, give us strength. We're called to take that harder road, the harder road to put ourselves in their shoes, to fulfill Philippians 2.5, which says, in your relationships with one another, he's talking about our relationships with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He emptied himself. And I'm going to finish by reading the part of Philippians 2 that precedes that part. Philippians 2, 1 to 5, says, Therefore, 
if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same Christ Jesus. And then once again, it goes on to talk about how he made himself nothing. He entered our world of suffering. He didn't sit back and judge and dismiss our suffering. No, he entered into it. If anyone had the right to sit back and distance himself from other people's pain and mess, it was Jesus. But no, he did the opposite. He engaged with compassion. And because Jesus entered our world in that way, in compassion, we can enter other people's worlds with compassion. As we spend time with God remembering his patience and empathy toward us, gosh, exemplifying his character to others will just begin to naturally It's not something that we just muster up or try harder with. It's by faith. It's a pursuit of God, and then he changes us with his spirit as we get to know God more. Let me pray. Once again, Father, come to you in brokenness, Lord, in weakness, so much weakness in sin. Thank you that you say, Lord, if we do sin, we have someone that advocates for us, Jesus. Jesus, we come through you. We just pray for unity. We pray for unity. We pray for wisdom, that we would be a people of wisdom in these times, that, that in that way we would demonstrate and show to the world that, that you are real, that you are God the Son, and that, God, you love us. And so help us, Lord. We need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.